Hey everybody, welcome to Heidi and Tony Explore Cleveland. A podcast all about Cleveland and fun things to do. We go exploring. And we go eat. We eat lots and we enjoy it. So join us as we share these experiences with you. And we hope that these experiences inspire you to enjoy the great city of Cleveland. I have a chili cook-off tomorrow. Where at? At the Chalet in Strongsville. Work has a fall picnic. That's pretty awesome that they're doing that for you. Well, it's not just for me. Well, for you guys at your job. Yes, and a donor is making that possible. That's for pretty awesome. The staff and individuals that we serve. It'll be so much fun. Yes. Going to the Chalet is a lot of fun. And for those of you outside of the Cleveland area, the Chalet also has a tobogganing shoot. Yes, it's not up and running yet. No, you, it has to be cold. Yes. Out for that. But that's pretty fun. Have you ever done the tobogganing? Yes. We um, always used to go, well, not always, but when I was an assistant scoutmaster oh. with the Boy Scouts. I didn't think you would do the toboggan shoot. Oh, because of how high up? Yeah. Yeah, I did it. And that was before they had the, we had to carry our own toboggan up. Oh, I've done it when you've had to carry that toboggan up. That's yeah. a pain in the neck. Yeah, it was before they had the, the belt that took it up for you. Yes. And you can go pretty fast, like 45, 50 miles an hour on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's so much fun. I love that, it. It was a good time. For sure. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about, we just dropped our year anniversary episode. Yes, we did. And we've been getting so much feedback from so many different people. Yes, and it's very exciting. Oh my gosh, it has made me so excited. Yeah, getting recognized by the establishments that we've gone to and outside of the establishments even. You know, downtown Cleveland, tours of Cleveland, you know, Castle Noel we went to and they sent us a message. Noble Beast has sent us a message. Yes, that has been so exciting. And I think that they're actually listening to our episodes. I, I hope so. I really hope so. We have nothing but good things to say about Every the places. Every place that we go to. Yes. yes. Because the point is, is we want people to visit and experience these places. Right. Because they're, they're awesome places to go to. Right in our own backyard. Right. <laughs> and Tony has been doing a lot more social mediaing. That's probably not a word, but that's what you've been doing, right? A lot more posting yes. on social media for us. That's where we've been getting most of our feedback. Right. From the listeners and those establishments. Thank you for doing that, Tony, because that has really been fun, even for me to see the stuff that you're sharing. And Sure. Yeah, I really have fun doing it. And you wanted to mention about the Funny Bus. Oh, yes. The Funny Bus really has been a big supporter of ours as well. They really have ever since the day we took the tour with them. Oh, yeah. From that day on you know they promote us and we promote them as well they're really great they are so thank you to dean yes and dean i just want to let you know that i have booked a second tour for my cousin who's coming out of town my cousin sherry she shares all of our episodes and social media posts yes on her pages and she's actually coming to cleveland in december so we're gonna do the lights and laughter tour yeah. I'm excited nice. about it. I'm excited for you. And she and I are also going to Castle Noel. That's awesome. I've already bought our tickets. I told her, I said, if you 
want to go to either of these places, we've got to decide now because we've got to book our tickets. Oh, yeah. I'm sure those those will fill up fast. Right. Especially Castle Noel in December. Oh, absolutely. Because remember they have that send Santa a letter thing? Yes. Yes. And when I booked my tickets, I actually booked us to get Christmas ales during our tour. So I'm excited about it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about both tours and that weekend. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I took so many awesome pictures while we were on the Funny Bus tour. I actually shared a post about that today and tagged the Funny Bus with those the pictures that I took. Well, it was funny because I was looking at that post and I'm like... There, were, I think it was in front of the courthouse or something, and I was like, "What did she take this? We didn't go there." And then I realized that these were from the funny bus. Yeah, when we were driving around the city. Yes, yeah. So you get to see a lot of nice stuff when you're on the those tours with the funny bus, right? And Castle Noel too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we had a great time this past year. We're looking forward to this year. Believe it or not, we actually have our schedule filled up through February Yes. of where we're going and all the episodes that will be posted through the end of February. So I feel like we're getting more organized, like we said that we would be. Yep. And we're trying to make sure we're planning things as for what's appropriate during that season or that time. For those right. episodes to drop. And we'll be able to tell you at the end of one episode. Where we're going next. Yes. <laughs> so we had another adventure. We did. It was a good time. I have to tell you, you are the first person that's ever taken me up on coming down to watch the races. Well, it was a good time. And I want to go again. It just makes my heart so happy. Well, I'm glad it made your heart happy. I felt really guilty because I didn't spend any time at all with you. Oh, no, but it was okay. And I was up and moving the whole time, too. You helped us out so much. Well, I'm glad I was able to help. So what are we talking about? We're talking about rowing. Head of the Cuyahoga... Regatta. Regatta. Yeah, which we say the hot sea, us in the in the biz. I've never experienced rowing in person. Nobody does. You were the only guest in our tent. I was. I was okay with that, too. And I think a lot of other tents, too, except for the parents. There were a lot of parents there, and they were cooking away and making things homey and comfortable for their kids. Because these races go all day long. From, what, 8 a.m. till... I know I got there at 8. And were they already racing at that time? I don't know if they were racing, but they were definitely cooking. (laughs) (laughs) but were they launching their boats usually the early races start with the single boats i think that there may have been definitely some single boats going that early like launching yes okay the fact that you were down there just made me so happy you beat me down there i did (laughs) let me talk to you about the parking okay i got there at 8 a.m the street parking was taken up the parking lot's Near where the boats were launching were full. So I had to park basically at the end of the road. Yeah, you parked at the parking lot on the corner of Columbus and Center Street. Yes, which was fine. It was $10 for me to park there, which I thought was fine as well because closer parking was $25. Well, that was in the foundry, in the foundry boathouse parking lot. 
okay. <laughs> I was fine with walking. And there was probably other street parking, too, before Columbus Road Bridge. Not by the time I got there. Right. But I'm saying just other street parking in general. Sure. And kind of like on Scranton Road, people are trying to find parking everywhere. Right. So this regatta brings people from all over. Many out-of-towners. There were people from Michigan, from Indiana, from Pennsylvania. Cincinnati. All over the state of Ohio. It was very crowded. Because people come from all over for these head races. I mean, not just our head race, but these head races are all over the country. And people will travel to race in them. And people of all ages. So there's like high school kids to people who are adult rowers of all ages. Well, and there's juniors as well. Yeah. So even younger than high school. There's a lot of competitors who race in the head races. Now, what is a head race? So I thought we should talk about what a head race is. So head races have start and end times. You're racing against a clock. You're not necessarily racing head to head against other boats on the river. You are racing against other boats in your event, but not head to head exactly side by side with those boats. Right. Because you can't start at the same time. There's not enough room on the river. Right. We actually do what's called a rolling start. So we actually kind of like get warmed up, get warmed up and then get up to race speed by the time we're on the clock, if you will. Yeah. And there's a guy down there at the start line that will say, WRA, you are on the clock. And, you know, then, you know, like you are full pressure. Sure. Full speed then ahead. The race is actually 4,770 meters on the Cuyahoga. So it's just shy under a 5K, and 5Ks are 3.1 miles. Right. So ours is just under that. But it's still a long way. What rowers do is they launch, where you were talking about like at Merwin's, they're launching from there, and they have to row those 4,770 meters to the start line. And then then they have to turn around and race back at full speed. Well, and and another thing I want to let people know, too, is that the rowers have to carry their boat to the water. Yes. And then pull it out and carry it back from the water as well. And their oars. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you were helping us with. Not necessarily carrying the boats, But the rowers are carrying the boats and there's a lot of stopping and starting. Yes, in line. Yeah, in line because there's regatta officials who are waiting by the launch site and they're checking your boats. So they're going to check to make sure that your foot stretchers are in correctly and they're tugging on things and pulling on things. Then you walk your boat down the ramp to get in the water. Yes. So that's what all that holdup is for the start and stop. Right. So you were carrying slings with us. So every once in a while we would put the boat into slings and then we'd pick it back up and then we'd move it and so on and so forth. It makes you very anxious, you know, all of that anticipation of getting your boat on the water and making sure you're staying within the timelines because you have to stay on race schedule. Right. So the Cuyahoga... It's home to a lot of industrial traffic. We've mentioned this a couple of times in a couple of different episodes. And there's a lot of freighters and barges that come through for industrial work. Yes. 
the day of the Cuyahoga, the head of the Cuyahoga race, the Cuyahoga River shut down to all industrial freighters and barges. And those people are not happy about it. And pleasure boats as well. Oh, the pleasure boats, the brew boats, the jet skis, the kayakers. Like the race course is closed to everybody who's not a rower. This is actually a regatta sanctioned event. So it's a big deal. And the head of the Cuyahoga is one of the top 10 head races in the United States. Oh, wow. Which I think is pretty big. And I think it's because the size of the event and the size of the entries that like kind of elevated status. Oh, really? I would have thought that it was because of the twists and turns of the river. No, I think it has to do with the amount of entries and where people are coming from. And I wanted to correct what I said. It's a top 10 single day head race. Okay. Because we can only shut the river down for one day. Gotcha. So other places around the country sometimes do two days. And they'll do like high school one day, masters another day, things like that. Well, and it's not even a full 24 hours. It's from this time to this time because they said at five o'clock these barges are coming through and we have to be done so a few years ago i don't remember the actual year but i do remember it was before covid because we had our hot seat meeting in person our 6 a.m meeting in person okay but one of those barges did not get the memo and they were docked right at the west third bridge which cuts the race course by a third. And so all these people who came from out of town or out of state and who were expecting to race an actual head race and the full course of a head race were impacted by this because the race course had to be cut short. Yeah. And our director who was running the boathouse at the time, he was just livid about it i'm sure but i remember that i remember that and i'm pretty sure it was right at the west third street bridge where that boat was docked and it just had set the whole race course it just had shifted everything yeah wow yes so the river is shut down to freighter traffic and they do not like it but You know, it's a good day for the city and it's a good event for the city. And like I said, it brings people from all over to experience the city. Right. So it's a fun time. It's fun days. My team who I cox for, we do some traveling as well. So we travel to other local places as well. New York or Columbus, things like that. And maybe you should explain what a coxswain is. So a coxswain is the person who steers the boat, keeps the rhythm of the rowers together, keeps the power in the boat, keeps the rowers focused, and helps to keep us on the racetrack or the race course, if you will. I get really nervous because I've literally been told a race can either be won or lost by the coxswain. And that's because you have to keep them motivated and you have to yell at them for the full entire race piece. It doesn't seem like it's a lot, but it's a lot. You have a lot going on. You're steering the boat. You're paying attention if you're passing other boats, if other boats are trying to pass you. 
making sure you're not hitting any buoys, making sure you're not encroaching the wrong lane at the wrong time. And that includes going up to the start line, making sure the rower's oars don't hit any of the buoys, and just keeping your rowers focused. So you have to actually talk and talk and talk, which I know for me doesn't seem like it's that hard to do. But, you know, when you're trying to motivate somebody and pay attention to the race course and keep them in sync and in rhythm, it's just a lot. It's a lot to do. Sure. I actually coxed two races that day. Right. And the team, they went out as an eight-man shell. So there was four men, four women in the eight-man shell. Somebody else coxed that boat because that coxswain seat was way too small for me to sit in. And I didn't want to do it. (laughs) I'm just going to be perfectly honest. I mean, these coxswain seats are made for a younger person who is a lightweight person so that the crew doesn't have to carry the dead weight of that person sitting in that seat. Sure. Because that seat is not helping the function of the boat move other than the motivational word. And then I did the two four-man races, which were four men and four women. But that's another way that you were helping us because you were making sure that when I got off the water with the men, that you had my new number because I had to wear a number. Right. And then our boat had a number, the bow number. Right. So you had to bring that to the recovery dock. Then we had to switch off the men for the women and then get the women launched all while trying to get all of that, you know, sorted. So you were a big help with all that. And that's really why I didn't see you because I was on the river so much with the teams. Yeah. And at one point, so I wanted to be able to watch and cheer you guys on, which I realized you guys couldn't hear afterwards. But anyways, I was screaming for you guys. We hear it. It's just that you're so hyper-focused to your own boats. I mean, there's a phrase that we use. It's called keep your head in the boat because there's so many other boats around you that the coxswain yelling at those boats or right. other you have spectators to, are you there. You have to focus on what you're doing. Right. Sure. Right. But I was, at one point, I had run to grab something to eat. Because you were down there a long time. Well, yeah, I got there at eight in the morning and I don't eat breakfast. I got there at eight in the morning. I ran, I don't even know what time it was, but I ran to grab something to eat once you got on the water and it took a little bit. It was so very crowded down there. Of course, it's going to take some time. I just placed the order (laughs) and I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss her race. I'm going to miss her race. I'm going to miss her race. And I walked back to where we were sitting dropped the bag off with the food in it and stayed at the water line and waited for you guys to come through because I didn't want to miss. Right. And then, you know, I wanted to make sure I was there when you guys were getting the boat out and everything. So. Well, and you were keeping track of things too through Regatta Central. Yes. Which was keeping real time updates. Yeah, I watched other people as well. I mean, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. Oh, yeah. One of the rowers was injured. He broke his wrist. I mean, that's a tough sport. It is. That is a tough sport. I give you all credit. That's... 
Well, the first thing I want to say is to that is there was a first aid tent. We're required to have like a first aid Red Cross medic tent, if you will. Yes. The Coast Guard is on the river. There's lots of spotters and umpires and whatnot that are positioned all throughout the river. So anytime somebody does get hurt, you know, there's always somebody to respond to that. That boat probably rode just by sixes to get them home because that person probably didn't row. Or if he did, he was probably just rowing with one hand, which you can row with just one hand. He was doing it. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to mention, though, about that, rowers are very tough people. We row literally from April until the end of November. And I have been out there in the snow. I've been out there in the blazing hot sun. I've been out there in the rain. I've been out there in every weather condition that there is to be in. They only call a practice if there's lightning and thunder and things like that. But rowers are very tough people. You know, they're out there in all weather conditions and they have lots of practices. But rowers are very tough athletes. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. But that kid probably, I don't know what happened. I would guess that he probably caught a crab. And that's probably what broke his wrist. And maybe tell everybody what (laughs) catching a crab is. Catching a crab means that the blade of your oar is not going into the water perpendicular to the water. And if you are not going in perpendicular to the water, the water will actually grab a hold of your oar quickly and it will actually rip that oar right out of your hands. I don't know if they still show this or not, but when you sign up for Adult Rowing League, they have you watch like an orientation video. And in the video, they show a rower actually being ejected from the boat from catching a crab. Wow. I've never seen that. But when you're racing, you kind of throw all logic out the window. So the logic is, is that rowers are sitting backwards in the boat. And so you want to let the boat actually move forward. But sometimes when you're racing, they kind of do more than what they should. And so that they move the boat in the wrong direction. And so when you get too excited and you get too ahead of yourself, that's how you're catching an Oh, crab. sure. The less experienced rowers, I could tell, were not in sync. Mm-hmm. You could see. Yes, you can. So that makes sense. And that's the job of the coxswain to get more control of that rower or sure. to have that rower get more control of themselves. Yeah. And I could see also a lot of them looking back to see where they were. Yeah. There's only one coxswain in the boat. Right. Otherwise, you need to row and follow your stroke person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And again, that's just because there's a lot of nerves the day of the hot seat. I mean, especially some of those kids have been there like all day and then they have to go to race. and. Well, and depending on how many races that you're doing, I mean. Well, that's true, too. A good factor. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. It is. And a lot. it was it was hot that day. It was. And to keep hydrated and rest, the guys that were racing did not get a rest in between their two races that no, they had. No, they didn't. So, it was hard. It was difficult. And they did well. Well, think about it. They did two 5Ks back to back. Yeah. And they did well. 
Well, and that's two 5Ks racing. There's also two 5Ks up to the start line. So they yes. basically did, you know, two 10Ks. Yes. Yeah. So the three races mm-hmm. that your team had, they placed fifth in the first race, which I think is awesome. And the last two races, they placed second. They did. So I think that is phenomenal. Yeah, it's definitely a good feeling to get a medal from that race. So yeah, so I got two silver medals that day. If you like this podcast, we ask that you like, follow, share, or leave a review. If you visit any of the places we've talked about, please let us know about your adventures on our social media pages. We look forward to your comments. Now let's get back to our adventures. This year was the 26th annual regatta. Now, I know this is kind of a one and done event once a year, but the reason why I thought we should do and you thought we should do an episode about it is because I would love to get more spectators down there. Well, yeah, it's free to go to. It is free. If you can get free parking on the street somewhere or take the rapid and walk the event you can bring a cooler with uh whatever drinks or food that you want merwin's wharf is right there they open for lunch it's kid friendly it's pet friendly yes it's fan friendly the only thing that i would ask is that you do not bring an air horn so you can bring noisemakers you can be a spectator but please do not ever bring an air horn because that's how the rowers know that they've crossed the finish line And if they hear your air horn, it may impact their race. I would imagine that somebody at the race will ask you to leave. (laughs) Well, or just not to use it. Yeah. Yeah. They have a DJ down there. They do. An all-day DJ. In the summertime, there are sprint races. It's a much shorter race course, and the river is not closed down for that. It's all free parking, too. It's all the same thing where... Um, You can bring your kids, you can bring your dogs, you can bring food and coolers and all of the things. And sometimes the Good Times 3 will go by and he'll play the love boat. Oh, awesome. But I think that day was he playing cops when he was making tow announcements. If this is your car and you don't want it to be towed. And I think he was playing the theme song for cops. Oh, I don't. To be honest with you, I was not paying attention oh. to the music. I was paying attention to the rowers. Oh, yeah. he's He's got a whole system set up. His name is Eric, and he is the DJ every year for every regatta event. You can bring tents to set up. There was tons of tents that were there. Canopies. Lawn, canopies, yeah. Lawn chairs. Oh, yeah. Definitely bring a chair because you can Sunscreen. basically set up anywhere and sit sit down. You can. There are several places along the river that you can watch. Yeah, anywhere. One of my favorite places to watch is on a bridge. As long as it doesn't lift up, you're good. It's not going to lift because close well, to the during craters. the hot sea, yeah. Yes. But even if that's the case, I don't think they would lift it with spectators on. But if you are coming down for the hot sea, you can stand on yes. the bridge. You can stand on Columbus Street Bridge. You can stand on Carter Road Bridge, and you can stand on West Third Bridge. 
they're great places to get pictures, yes. to stand over top. It's great places to see your team go by, and then you can run across the bridge. Don't get hit by a car because cars can still go by. Right. But you can run across to the other side and then see them come out the bridge on the other side. This river, during the race course, there are seven bridges that the rowers pass through on the race course. There's five challenging turns. This river, like you said, because of the turns that you thought that it was one of the top ten, this river has a lot of turns and a lot of turns that are hard to navigate. So if you are a young person who's racing and more of a novice or inexperienced person and you're not used to our river, it really is a challenge for some of those kids. Sure. Or even adults, if you're not used to it. We've raced against people from D.C. before who aren't used to our river. And the thing about the Cuyahoga, it's a pretty narrow river, too. So it's hard to make a lot of room and make a lot of ways for those sharp turns as well as passing other boats and things like that. Well, and something I want to make clear to people is they make the river into two lanes of traffic for this regatta. So you have a lane for the race itself, and then there's a lane for their rowing out to the start line. To the start line. So, well, they make the race piece a lot wider than the start line. Sure. Race. When we were on the race course, I saw people get out of their start line, but those are penalties for those teams if they do that. Oh, I'm sure. They change the side of the river too. That's always nerve-wracking for me because I'm not used to rowing on the wrong side of the river. It's like kind of driving in England, if you will. Yeah. Every other day of the year on that river, we treat the river like a road. So you always have to stay to your side. And a lot of kayakers and pleasure boaters, they don't know that and they don't pay attention to it. So a lot of times they're just like in the middle of the river or the wrong side of the river. If you're listening to this and you're a kayaker, please stay to the right of the river because it just makes the flow of traffic so much easier. It should be treated like a road. It's not just a free for all. Thank you. Oh, restrooms. Yes, they had a line of porta pots lined up. Basically, somebody was standing there monitoring them. I think she was just keeping the flow moving. Yes. And I'm guessing if there was a problem, you could go to her as well. Right. Listen, this is a big event for Cleveland. It's something that our boathouse is very, very proud of. So they put a lot of time and effort into people who are volunteering down there to keep things coordinated. Everything from the parking attendants are volunteers to... The bathroom monitor or attendant. Well, and the people at the docks, when mm-hmm. you're when you're putting your boat in the water and taking your boat out, there's people there volunteering to tell you to move your boat down the line and helping you move it down the line and catching everything. you at the dock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty big ordeal and they have lots of meetings all year round about it and it's a big thing. It's a big ordeal. Our boathouse in Cleveland, I've seen some other boathouses out there through some other regattas that I've been to and our boathouse is pretty nice. We have room to store all of our boats indoors, which is a big deal. A couple years ago, I went to Philadelphia, New York with my cousin and... We had brought her daughters and Paul's daughter with us, and we did like a girl's trip. 
and we started in Philadelphia and I know I was the only one who was excited about it, but I made us all go to Boathouse Row, which is very famous in Philadelphia. And I remember I was driving into the city and I turned and I saw it and I got so excited and we like took pictures and saw the boats. But even at Boathouse Row, those boats were stored outside. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that is not uncommon. The one boathouse in Buffalo, they have like a pulley system. Like they had boats that were stored on the ceiling. Our boathouse is big. It's spacious. There's a lot of boats in there, but there are racks for every one of the boats that we have and a place to keep all of our oars. And then we have a separate boathouse for the single and double shells. So we have a pretty nice boathouse in Cleveland and they update it all the time. Like there's offices upstairs and I don't know if you noticed there was a rowing shell on the outside of the building, on the top of the building. Oh yeah. So I think that just the way that they, the way Cleveland's boathouse is, like rowing is, you know, something we take very seriously. And yet not a lot of people even know about it or have even experienced it. It's a pretty big community. There's a room for in the wintertime. There's a room full of indoor rowing machines, or we refer to them as ERGs, E-R-G. And all winter long, people are down there using those ERGs, working out and keeping up their endurances until the spring opens. And there are cold weather rules and safety rules that they will close the river The river is supposed to be closed November through April, but if we're having an unseasonably warm winter, they will keep it open. And I've seen rowers out there in December. I've seen rowers out there on New Year's Day or Thanksgiving Day row. Like these people, they take it very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. They take the sport very seriously. And I've been a part of the sport since 2008. So I've been a part of the sport for a while. I used to actually row. I used to actually be a rower, but there was a time where they didn't provide coxswains and your team was supposed to trade off being the coxswain, but getting people to sit in that seat, you know, not a lot of people are willing to do it. A lot of people can't fit into the seat, all of those kinds of things. And it is a pretty intimidating position. And I was having to do it more and more because just people weren't willing to switch off. And then I met Dr. Bob and I just became his coxswain. But it's good because it's still part of the team and we do a lot of outside team things together. We usually volunteer at the Ronald McDonald House twice a year. And we do team dinners and just team events and things like that. That's awesome. I'm sorry. I've been talking a lot. I told you I was going to talk a lot during this episode. That's okay. It's a passion for you. It's good for your. Listen, it's good for Heidi's soul. (laughs) Well, that is true. Our team has a motto, and our team's motto is any day on the water is a good day. Even if you're having the absolute worst day, the minute you get into the boat, you kind of forget about all that. And then. When you get off the water, you're kind of like, what was I even upset about in the first place? Like, it really helps to reset and refocus your mind, and it really is such a great sport. And I could watch people row all day long. I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. 
we should talk about where it's located. So our boathouse is located on British Street. So it's kind of like behind Merwin's Wharf. Merwin's Wharf is located on Columbus Road, like right after the bridge. But again, you can watch this race anywhere along the river. Yes, the parking lot that I parked in, there were people with their chairs sitting in the parking lot along the river watching the race. And this race usually occurs the third Saturday in September. So whatever that third Saturday in September is, that's usually when this race is going to be. But you can look it up on regattacentral.com or you could look it up on headofthecuyahoga.com. Yes. This event had 59 races and 2,000 rowers participating. Wow. I know. Isn't that's that not exciting? surprising. I mean, considering how many people were down there, that that's amazing. I had a good time. I didn't participate in, in the rowing aspect of anything, but just watching everything, I really enjoyed myself. It really is a good time. It's a good event, and it's a good event for the city. Yes. In 2014, the city of Cleveland hosted the Gay Games. It, I think it was like an official Olympics for gay athletes. And there was a rowing event for that too. And people came from all over to participate. I didn't participate in it, but I served as a volunteer for the Gay Games Rowing Regatta. And that was such a big event too. I believe they did the Hot Sea course for that too i could be wrong but i know that we participated in that event so that was pretty exciting nice yeah i wanted to tell you a fun fact did you know that rowing was the first sport ever played between colleges in the u.s in 1852 the first intercollegiate sports competition in a nation's history took place when harvard raced yale Three years later, the sport of rowing came to the mighty Cuyahoga. Nice. Yeah. So I think that that's pretty exciting. And then it does say later, however, the initial days of rowing were numbered due to the increased commercial traffic brought on by the growth in the Civil War and the fragile racing crafts were crowded off the river. Sadly, it did not reappear for another 125 years. And then in 1986... Rowing on the Cuyahoga started again, and they started the Cuyahoga Rowing Foundation. If you're ever interested as an adult to join rowing and see what it's about, I know they always have Learn to Rows in April, and they have summer rowing leagues for adults that happen from, I think, May through August. And I think they have two sprint race regattas right on the Cuyahoga. Good to know. Yeah, so if you're interested, you know, check it out. Yeah, or, you know, just check out the regatta. One of the regattas, yeah, yeah, and see what it's like at that point. And I think that they had some kind of machine there where they were kind of showing you how to. The ergs. They had ergs out. Did they? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they did, where you could sit on them and try and figure it out and you know how to do it. A lot of people think that rowing is all upper body, rowing is all in the arms, and that is very incorrect information. The arms are very little to do with rowing. It's all about your leg muscles. Yeah. So a lot of people get very confused and and don't realize 
that it's about the legs. That makes sense. But yeah, so I thank you for coming down. I really appreciate the support that you gave us and the help. You really helped us a lot. Well, I'm glad I could help. I I enjoyed it. I really had a good time. We did too. Yeah. So anyways, that is our hot seat episode. And hopefully in September, you come down and cheer us on. So another great day in the city of Cleveland. Yes, it was. It was a beautiful sunny day. It was. Mm -hmm. It was. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Heidi and Tony Explore Cleveland was created and produced by Heidi Johnson and Tony Gambino. Please contact us if you are a listener and have suggestions of where we should go next. Or if you're a local business and you would like us to visit and share our experience, please email us at exploringclevelandht at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the content creators and not the business, organization, affiliates, or their employees. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. All rights reserved.